What happens when you lose your passion for God? When you grow a bit cold or perhaps just go through the motions of Christianity? This time on Telling the Truth, Jill Briscoe digs into your fire for God, your passion, and how to keep it burning brightly. More from Jill is moments away. In their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Jill show you straight from God's Word how you can stand strong against your spiritual enemy and live victoriously in Christ. We'll send you a copy of this resource as our thanks for your support today to help others experience the life of abundance God wants them to have in Jesus. So call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces, 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Here's Jill now to start her message, Keeping the Home Fires Burning. It's hard when you're being blitzed by difficult things that are happening in your life to be up. It's hard to bear private grief publicly. It's hard to go on going on when you are obsessed or possessed by a personal pain or problem in your life. Joshua knew all about that. Joshua was a man. He was a family man. He had children. And he had to look after kids for 40 years in the desert with no certain place at the end of a trek through the sand dunes day after day after day. No certain food, no food stores to buy them food. He knew what it was to be homeless for 40 years with nothing but the tent that they carried on their donkeys or their animals to the next place, transient place, before they took off again. And there is no question in my mind that Joshua knew what it was to be down, but I also know that he knew what it was to be up when he was down. Because in his relationship to God lay the secret to that. I've had people asking me for the last few weeks, how are you? I mean, we ask that all the time, how are you? And I have been saying, under the circumstances, I am not under the circumstances. And a lot of people live under the circumstances that they're under, They can't rise above them. And today we're going to address that problem because it's a question of keeping the home fires burning when everybody else around you is going cold on God. Joshua, Caleb, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, Eleazar, some of the priests and their sons were in touch and in tune with God on and off some of them, but Caleb and Joshua, specifically the scriptures say, wholeheartedly followed the Lord. The fire never died out in their lives. And I want to know how he did that. God taught Joshua how to stir the fire of faith in his heart and keep it burning. Now, there is one thing that is a problem here. When you are living among people who are going cold on God or have gone cold on God or have never been hot on God, then the temptation is to go cold yourself. And incidentally, let's look at it the other way around. If you are a believer and you are going cold on your Christian faith, you run the risk of lowering the temperature of everybody else around you. We have a responsibility to keep the home fires burning. 
brightly in our lives. Now, the scriptures are full of many pictures. We talked about some pictures and parables, and the symbol of fire, for example. We'll look at that in a moment. But God uses many ways and means and pictures and parables and words and stories and commands to talk about this problem. For example, if you turn quickly to the book of Revelation, in fact, in chapter 3 and also in chapter 2, two of the letters to the churches, to the young churches, that Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, told John to write down, because he wanted to send a message to these bunches of people that had found Christ, these bodies of believer. Two of those bodies of believers that are written about in the Revelation had lost their fire. That was the problem. And in chapter 3, we come across that famous verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Remember that? Revelation 3.20. The context of that is the church in Laodicea in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You make me sick, says God. Now, I've been hearing from some people that they don't believe God would speak like that. Well, apparently he did. He says some people make him sick. These are not people without Christ. These are people that know Christ, that are in the fellowship of believers. They turn his stomach. Why? Because they're neither cold nor hot. Not because they're committing adultery, not because they're committing murder, not because they're lying, stealing, cheating, thieving, because they've let the fire go down. Now he says, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing, but you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire so you can become rich, really rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see... Those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's because God loves these people. He is absolutely torn to bits by the fact that they have gone cold on him. And back a page into Revelation chapter 2, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? And you need to read the letter to the church at Ephesus to see what a wonderful bunch of people these were, and yet there was a problem with them by the time John writes his letter in Revelation. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, a lot of things they were doing right. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't. You found them false. You've persevered. You've endured hardships for my name and you haven't grown weary. Now, this was a great bunch of Christians. All those things were right, but I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. God considers a fire for him, a passion for him, wholehearted commitment, dedication to him, love for God terribly important. He said, if this is wrong, if something's gone wrong, if you're lukewarm, if you're losing your fire and your passion, 
If you've lost your first love, it changes the picture a bit. To the words of lovers, you used to love me like a lover, he says. Couldn't wait to be with me. Couldn't wait to spend time with me. You lost your first love. And now all you're doing is doing. God doesn't want to know what we're doing. He wants to know how we're doing. And the what we're doing will come out of the how we are doing. How are we doing in our relationship, our love relationship with God? Incidentally, in Revelation 3, where he's talking about gold refined in the fire and white clothes and salve and being lukewarm, all of those pictures are pertinent to those people. I remember on one of our Holy Land trips, we visited the seven churches, and we visited the sites of the seven churches, and we visited Laodicea. And the guide took us to a high point on the hill where there are hot springs coming out. And she said, look right down there. They've got a long way to go, but by the time they trickle down and the people living in John's time that he was writing to had figured out a very clever water system to capture the hot springs quite a way away and to bring them to their town. But by the time they get there, they're lukewarm. And so when they would read in this little church the letter from the risen Christ, you are lukewarm, they would know exactly what was meant. They were neither hot because they didn't live in the heights. They had fallen from the heights. Consider the heights from which you've fallen. When you are hot, they would understand. You're listening to Jill Briscoe and her message, Keeping the Home Fires Burning, today on Selling the Truth. Coming up, more encouragement and advice to stay passionate for God. You can't always see it raging around you, but every day you're locked in a battle that threatens your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. Spiritual warfare is very real, and you can't afford to sit this fight out. Your spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from experiencing the abundant and impactful life you're called to in Christ. But you can stand strong in Jesus and the power of His Spirit. And Stuart and Jill want to show you how, straight from God's Word, by sending you their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. We'll send you this encouraging series as thanks for your gift to help people around the world hear the message of Jesus through broadcasts like this one today. Your gift of support helps Telling the Truth carry the message of God's love to people across the globe so they can experience life in Christ. Call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you give. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. For many, our smartphones have become our social connection. But we want to help you make a spiritual connection with the Telling the Truth mobile app. You can listen to daily programs, engage in Bible reading plans, journal, and share your thoughts and prayers on the community wall. Get the Telling the Truth app through your app store or log on to tellingthetruth.org slash mobile app. Remember, you can also give to support Telling the Truth on our mobile app. Let's head back now to Jill Briscoe. And so when they would read in this little church the letter from the risen Christ, 
you are lukewarm. They would know exactly what was meant. They were neither hot because they didn't live in the heights. They had fallen from the heights. Consider the heights from which you've fallen. When you are hot, they would understand. Gold, it was a place for precious metals. White raiment, it was a place where especially rich, wonderful cloth was made that was whiter than a fuller could make it. Eye solve, there was an eye hospital there. Went to the site where the eye hospital used to be and they've dug up some remains of that. Eye solve, so you can see. Jesus is always relevant. He uses pictures, he uses parables so that people will understand. And so he says that being lukewarm, losing our fire, losing our first love is something to repent of, to be sorry about. When you say your sorries to God, do you ever say you're sorry if indeed you have not kept the home fires burning and you've lost your passion for him? We need to know it's something to repent about. Now, how do we keep the flame of God bright in our lives? Well, it is God's job to light the flame. It is ours to keep it burning. We cannot create a passion. The fire is God's. And let's come to the symbol of fire. It's a wonderful symbol in the scripture. It's a fitting symbol for God. When you think about it, wind, cloud, fire, the three symbols that go through the book of Exodus with those children of Israel, with Joshua, the three symbols that he was most familiar with were the symbols of the cloud and the fire. The cloud and the fire. Because it was the cloud which was the aura that surrounded the visible, immediate presence of God with his people. If you turn to Exodus with me, Exodus 13. Okay, verse 20. After leaving Succoth, now they're wandering around in the desert at this point, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. By night, in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, that's a very familiar story and symbol to us. You remember when they came out of Egypt and the hordes of Pharaoh were following them. They looked behind and they saw this incredible cloud that blocked out the enemy. It must have been a cloud that had a a light about it. It was the Shekinah glory, the glory that always accompanied the presence of God himself, the aura. And at night they would look behind and they would see a fire Repillar, a fiery pillar. They couldn't see a cloud at night, but they could see that this cloud was surrounding the very presence of God. He was at their rear guard. He said, I will promise to be your rear guard. I will come behind you. He, he was between their enemies. And so the cloud and the pillar of fire were one and the same thing. When Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, remember the mountain quaked and fire and lightning came around But it was more than fire and lightning, physical fire and lightning. It was the touch of God's feet on the mountain. Fire on the mountain. A different sort of fire. A supernatural fire. And so there is a supernatural symbol of fire connected with God. You remember when Moses in the desert was keeping that bunch of scraggy sheep. He'd blown it. God had trained him and 
worked miracles in order that he should lead his people out of Egypt, and he'd gone out and lost his temper and murdered a man, had to run away into the desert. And when he ran away into the desert, one day, many, many years later, after 40 years, he saw this little burning bush. And he turned aside to see why the flames were flaming, but the bush was not consumed. And God spoke to him and said, take off your sandals, the place whereon you're standing is holy ground. When the holiness that accompanies the presence of God, for he is holy, is around in, in immediate presence, then you have the cloud, the Shekinah glory, then you have the fire. The bush burned, but the bush was not consumed. We're talking about holy fire. Holy fire. The old saints used to talk about holy fire. There were hymns about holy fire. And I asked my own heart, is my heart aflame for God? Is the holy fire there? The fire that burns in the heart of the Christian who is in tune with God, full of the spirit of God, doing battle with the enemy, is a fire that will burn but will not consume you. You will burn on. You will not burn out. The bush burned, but the bush was not consumed. I remember my senior missionary, Major Ian Thomas, he had a wonderful sermon on this. Any old bush will do. Any old bush will do. I remember it years later. I remember him preaching it to hordes and hordes, hundreds of teenagers from around the world. Any old bush will do. Any old bush can burn. And it will not be consumed. And there will be an immediate sense of the presence of God in the life of a woman who allows God so close to her that she's in his presence. So you remember the story of Exodus. You remember how God accompanied them. And you can remember, of course, Pentecost, where something like flames of fire sat on everybody's head in the giving of the Holy Spirit. And they were ignited. They had been enlightened. Now they were lit. And you might be enlightened. You might have had your eyes open to see that Christ is God and you need him and he's your savior. You might have been brought up in church. You might have been enlightened, but until you're ignited, until you're lit, until the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life, then there will be no burning, no warmth for anyone else, no power in your life to be up when you're down. Some of the old hymns, as I mentioned before, have this thought in them. I love a quiet hymn, actually. It's not a powerful, heavy hymn. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. I don't know if you know that hymn. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Wean it from earth, though all its pulses move. Stoop to my weakness, mighty as thou art, and make me love thee as I ought to love. Hast thou not bid us love thee, God and King? All, all thine own, soul, heart, and strength, and mind. I see thy cross. There teach my heart to sing. Oh, let me seek thee, and oh, let me find. Teach me to feel that thou art always nigh. Teach me the struggles of the soul to bear, to check the rising doubt, the rebel sigh. Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Teach me to love thee as thine angels love. One holy passion Filling all my frame, the baptism of the heavens descended dove, my heart an altar, and thy love, the flame. What a wonderful, wonderful hymn. 
And I think of another one, a favorite of mine. Oh, for a passionate passion for souls. Oh, for a spirit that yearns. Oh, for a love that loves unto death. Oh, for a fire that burns. Oh, for a prayer power that prevails, that spills itself out for the lost. Oh, for a heart like thine, dear Lord. Oh, for a Pentecost. Have you got an oh in you today? Or is your Christianity just, oh? (laughs) Or is there a deep, deep soul? Oh, for a Pentecost. It is when the Holy Spirit ignites our hearts that we are more than enlightened to the truths of the Christian gospel. We are lit for him, and the fire begins to burn. His to light us, ours to keep the fire burning. Lighting the fire. Secondly, losing the fire. Now, these children of Israel had lost the fire. And you know, some of them didn't even know it. You're listening to Jill Briscoe and her message, Keeping the Home Fires Burning. Jill comes right back to close out the first part of this message with a final thought. Between the pressures of paying bills, taking care of your family, and keeping up with a chaotic calendar, it's easy to feel outnumbered and overmatched. And those are just the visible challenges you face each day. The unseen forces of evil can make life seem even more overwhelming threatening your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. But you're not without help and hope. And in their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Joel Briscoe show you how you can live victoriously, knowing that with Christ and His Spirit, you're never alone. This new series is our thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teaching of Telling the Truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like this one today going, even reaching people in places that are closed to the gospel. So if you haven't given before, now is a great time to jump in and help keep God's word going out around the world to you and many others. And remember to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you call and give. Just call 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Jill Briscoe with one last insight from today's message. Now, these children of Israel had lost the fire. And you know, some of them didn't even know it. I think of Ezekiel preaching his gospel to the children of Israel. And he said, you don't even know it, but the cloud's gone. And he'd had this wonderful vision. The door had opened into heaven and Ezekiel had seen the temple and he'd seen the priests doing their thing and he'd seen the sacrifices being made and he'd seen the people coming to worship and he'd seen the robes and he'd seen all of this. And he didn't see the cloud. And then he saw that the cloud had risen from the temple. And in that long vision, it's a long chapter, he sees the cloud depart so many meters away and then so many meters away and then so many meters away. And what's happening in the temple? Business as usual. Priests are doing their thing. People are bringing the sacrifices. And they don't know the cloud's gone. Now they'd had it in Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. Moses goes back, summons the elders of the people, sets before them all the words of the Lord, the 
He's commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking and will put their trust in you. God is vindicating Moses and the cloud, which was the aura of God's presence, the accompanying glory, was always around Moses. I mean, can you imagine a man that in touch with God? And people could see this, see this happening. But somewhere along the way, they had lost this obedience. They had lost the possibility of being around the cloud because Moses was among them and the cloud was around him. And they enjoyed some of that reflected glory. And, of course, we know where they lost it. But they didn't know they'd lost it. For 40 years, they wandered around saying, what's the matter? Why aren't we in Canaan? Well, they were being disobedient. They had not kept the words that Moses had brought to them from God. Jill Briscoe on today's Telling the Truth. Before we go, we want to remind you that this month, when you give to support Telling the Truth broadcasts like this one, we'll send you Stuart and Jill Briscoe's five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. This powerful new series will help you stand strong in Christ and in the power of His Spirit against the enemy so you can live victoriously each day. Please request your series when you call 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Tuesday, it's the second part of Jill's message, Keeping the Home Fires Burning. More advice on how to reignite your fire to seek a more intimate relationship with God. That's next time on Telling the Truth. Listen and experience life.